you this morning. Let's give him the praise. Father God, we thank you so much for who you are. It is an honor and a privilege to worship you this morning, that you will never fail us, that you are our firm foundation, no matter what is going on in our lives, that you are there, that you are stronger than anything, Lord. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We love you, God. Amen. Check, check. There we go. It's not my height, I promise. Okay. How you guys doing this morning? I'm going to ask you again. You doing well? Awesome. You know, hey, if you're a visitor, hey, let's go ahead and bring the music down a bit. Thank you. You know, this is a place, if you're visiting, you are welcome just as you are. We're just excited that you're here. We believe wholeheartedly that God's going to speak to you in a way that you need to hear because he's good like that. As a church family, could we welcome them to the house of God? Just saying, we're glad you're here. I love it. If I could encourage you this morning, again, if you're a guest or a visitor, the best thing that you can do this morning, if we could throw up that slide behind me, guys, your best first step is to download this app with this QR code. Reason being, it's going to take you to an app that is dedicated to our church. So maybe you're looking for information on communities that are uh, happening, things that are going on, events. You can find all of that there. And I would like to encourage you with one other thing. We have a special gift for you that we'd like to give you on your way out. Actually, if I could get a, a lady from the back, could I get a mug up here real quick? Let me show you what we got going on. Let me get a runner. Let's get a runner up here. Let's give her a, round, a hand here. Thank you for coming up. So this morning, it hit me as I'm sipping on my, my Joe, as I like to call it. Yes, my name is Joe or Joseph, so it's a little intentional, okay that, you know, may, maybe this applies to you. I'll just say it this way. I drink a bit of coffee. I got four kids. So I need coffee a lot, kind of like throughout the day. So one interesting thought and our free gift to you is this mug. We'd love to give it to you if you are a visitor because we'd love to remind you every time you drink whatever you got going on in here, that there's a church that loves you and there's a God who's always pursuing you, amen? So uh, make sure on your way out, if you're a guest, have, pop over to the info bar in the back. Thank you very much. Uh, we want to give that to you. Again, no strings attached, just to bless you. If this is a place that you call home, I want to encourage us a little bit this morning. How many know that this life of being a Christian, learning to be like Jesus, is about these three things? We learn, we grow, and we contribute. Say that with me. Learn, grow, and contribute. Here, we like to contribute by getting involved in ministry teams. So if that's ever been rattling around in your heart and your mind, we want to encourage you to contribute, to show up. Say, hey, Adam, I may not know what I'm doing, but I'm, I'm here. And we got some incredible leaders who would say, hey, I see the call of God on your life. Let's join a team. And also in this place, we do contribute financially. It's more than the lights. It's more than anything that you might even be wondering about. And I wanted to clarify that this morning. We are taking the kingdom, this gospel truth into neighborhoods for our neighbors, for our loved ones, maybe for neighbors we don't even know yet. And it is your contributions, both to team and financially, that allow us to do that. So if you've been giving for a while, I just want to say 
Thank you. Truly, truly. Yeah, we can give a hand for that. I heard two. All good. And maybe in this place, truly no pressure in this ask. And if this is your home, this ask, this ask is really for you. If you're looking to start that journey, there's sometimes no greater place than to start contributing financially. Because if I'm honest with you, just my own life, my money is my money. But what I started to learn is I've learned to be like Jesus, that Jesus was a generous person. So when we realize everything we have, the life we have to live, all the resources, and even the time that we get each and every day is a gift from God, we get to just what we call steward it or manage it. So it's an incredible thing to say, you know what? I only kind of know what you mean, but I wanna give and see what God can do. We can promise you that God will do amazing things. It's one of the few places in the Bible where he says that if you do that, you could test me and the heavens will open and I'm gonna do something that you can't imagine. He's good like that. All right, let's pray for this uh, morning. Um, God, we wanna thank you for who you are as you lead in our hearts, because again, we know that you are looking for people who wanna contribute wholeheartedly, that are excited to do so, whether it's through the app or through the website or whatever, God. We just wanna be faithful to you. You are so faithful to us, always willing to receive us wherever we are and always being generous towards us. So may that flow through us as we learn to be generous with our words, with our time, with our finances, just to bring you glory so that we could see your purposes in our lives and through our lives. So God, that is our heart this morning. And if you agree with that, would everyone say in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, one last thing, we got to go to movement. Any people in the house that went to movement this last week? I know some of you are like, what the heck is a movement? It's a young adult gathering where we empower young people and a big part of what we just talked about generosity, we took, is it 46 or 49? How many people did we take? 46 people who encountered Jesus in a new and powerful way. Can we thank God for that? But we thought we would not just talk about it, that we would show you this morning. So go ahead and grab a seat, turn to the screens. We got a video for you. Let's start it over guys and get the audio up. good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. So when I first came here to pastor, um, in my desk was some photos. And one of those photos was an outreach that was done uh, in the community. It was kind of over on Black Forest Road. There's like a uh, horse riding uh, stable and corral there. And I remember seeing it and seeing uh, the date 1967. 
And if you were to, to think about from 1967 to uh, 2023, how many years would that be? Can anybody tell me? How many? Do we have any math folks in here? What's that? So, so if you took 1967, if you went three years forward, you'd be in 1970, isn't that correct? 70 to 2000 would be how many years? Okay, and then 2023, so how many years would it be? It'd be 50. Think about it for a second. If it was 1967, wait, did I get that wrong? I did get that wrong. <laughs> so 55, sorry about that. So it has been over 50 years that this church has been in existence. It used to be over off of uh, Hopeful Drive. And uh, we have a wonderful young lady back here, I think, of 93. Isn't that right, Miss Bev? And uh, right back here, would you just put your hands together and celebrate her? You see her... Show up at this church at 93 years old, and she's been coming since the inception of this church. Um, what a testimony, what a legacy that she has left here at this church over all these years. Interesting enough, we've been talking about legacy. Last week I talked about growing a legacy and the importance of God's word, the seed of God's word in growing a legacy. Uh, if you were to think of farming and growing a crop, Right When you think of farmers, it's year in and year out, and they go out consistently sowing so that they can reap, right? And I talked about the important part of God's word in your life so that you can grow a legacy, and that the condition of the soil, so God's word is the good seed that's sown in soil that, for us, that's conditioned right to receive his word and grow the kingdom of God. First and foremost in us, when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible says that the kingdom of God is in you. So Jesus comes saying that the kingdom has come among you, and when Jesus ascended on high, when he led captivity captive, what he did is he left inside of us the kingdom of God as we come to faith that the kingdom begins to grow. And you think over 2,000 years, for everybody that's in this room, meeting in churches not only here in Colorado Springs, but all over this nation and around the world that celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Somebody say the good news. <laughs> that, that, that we celebrate that is that's the legacy that's left behind because the good seed of God's word that has been planted in soil that's conditioned to receive it for a harvest. Amen. And so today, specifically, I'm going to talk about generational legacy generational legacy. And when I think uh, Miss Bev walking through those doors today, it is fitting for her to be here today. Uh, she was the secretary of the church for many, many, many years. Right, Miss Bev? <laughs> She's back there laughing. But while she was a secretary here, um, she actually had a pastor that served as a youth pastor here, and his name was Mike Nortoon. Anybody know Mike Nortoon? He's the new president of Open Bible. And I'm sharing that with you because today we have the privilege of receiving Vanessa and Levi onto our staff. Vanessa and Levi Nortoon are being received on our staff as our next-gen pastors. Why don't you guys stand so everybody can see you? We will pray over them. But here's the deal. You can sit now. 
to think that so many years ago, what we called youth pastors, now we tend to call next-gen pastors, and of course, we, you know, we build uh, not just youth, but from children all the way to young adults, we believe that that next generation is so important if we want to carry on the legacy of Christ's message. And Mike was a youth pastor. He started in this church, and it was actually over off of Hopeful Drive. I remember him sharing one time that uh, his office was actually the janitorial closet. And so he hung his, uh, his uh, theology diploma in the janitorial closet on the wall. And he said he went down there and nice and proud. He just hung that on there among the brooms and the, and the mops. And he served this house for many years. And then, of course, God continued to use him. But I think it is an interesting thing that we're talking about legacy as they come on staff. And Levi and Vanessa, uh, of course, follow in a sense in the footsteps of your father right out of this house. Uh, That is not a mistake. That what was sown all those years ago returns. And not just for, you know, our children, because he is my son-in-law, Vanessa's my daughter. But I think about her for so many years in our children's ministry, even as a preteen turning and serving the children and holding babies and loving on babies and and pouring into them and, and, and praying over them and, and all those years of coming up in ministry. And then she went off to college down at Southeastern University and uh, got her degree in, in education and um, worked in the Florida school system for a while. And as this congregation embraced the uh, mandate of helping another open Bible church keep from closing its doors through COVID, we embraced the responsibility of taking on that church family in Largo, Florida and pouring into them and serving them and investing in that work that today is rising and being revitalized as a result of your sacrifice, of your donations and your service to them. And because of that, the legacy there carries on. And by the way, that was planted in the 1960s as well. It's a church that that the blow of COVID could have shut down and instead this congregation rose to the occasion to say that we will not see the legacy of that work fall. We as another open Bible church will step in to help uh, sustain that legacy for the future. Amen? That's generational legacy. Because let me give you legacy in a nutshell. If we don't reach the next generation, no one is around to tell our story. If for, for Angie and I and having our children, if we weren't to have children and pass on, who is going to tell our story to the next generation? I think of going up and watching our grandkids play football uh, on Saturday. If I look kind of red, that's why. I forgot to put sunscreen on and I got sunburnt nice. <laughs> but I think about going and watching that and the joy it is for us to interact with our family and to see that that legacy carries on. And when our grandchildren look at us, we sat at the table with the grandchildren while some of our kids hung out with one another and friends at a different table. And let me tell you that while I love my kids and, and their friends, the thing is, is that table's the one I want to set out. Come on, grandmas and grandpas in the room. Because that's my legacy. Investing in my children so that my children's children get to know of the Lord as well and to have those interactions with those who have gone before them. And when they talk of Mimi and Papa, I would say that uh, we hung the moon. 
We hung the moon with those kids. They think we're the greatest. Why? Because we spoil them. Yeah. There's nothing quite like it. You can spoil them. You can love on them and send them back home. And mom and dad are the ones that lose the sleep and got to run around after them. Mimi and Papa come home just after those four or five hours and we take a nap. Come on, somebody. But it's a joy to watch uh, our legacy grow in family. And the kingdom of God is the same. Even more so. Because it is carried on from generation to generation to generation to generation and so on. So when I think of the seeds, the investment that was made by Mike and Julie Nortoon in this house so many years ago, I believe that it's just God allowing us to reap the seeds that they sowed by seeing him bring a young couple who are passionate about young people. When you see the movement video, Levi actually put that video together. Uh, he and Vanessa um, did a lot of the, can I say a lot of the legwork? Is that fair to say? <laughs> a lot of the legwork as they served under uh, Pastor Mike and Julie uh, for movement and the teams from, from all the regions of Open Bible. They worked very, very hard uh, to see that through for over 250 young adults who came out to Anaheim. Our kids were blessed by it. We took 46 from the Mountain Plains region. And uh, I believe that God is about to do some wonderful, wonderful things in our region as well. Know that that's a blessing to our church. And the reason why it's a blessing to our church is the church is not measured by what it keeps. A church is measured by what it sends. A church is measured by how it goes into all the world, reflecting what God is doing in and among us. If it's just in and among us, if it's just an inward focused and it never goes out, then it really can't reproduce and therefore will never reach generational legacy. This church was known for that over the past 55 years. It has been known as a sending church. It's been known as a planting church. And God has used it that way. And even with Levi and Vanessa coming in uh, I'd like them to stay forever, but it just doesn't work that way now, does it? And God's put on their heart to one day plant a church. They're thinking somewhere around the, the time frame of uh, two and a half to three years, they'll be heading to Denver to, to plant a church up there. And I can tell you that couldn't reach the mandate uh, that we have as a body of believers. It couldn't reach the mandate that we have to go out more than anything else. And here's why. Church planting is absolutely the number one the number one effective way to evangelize the world. People would say, well, we don't need more churches. No, we need as many as we can get. Think of Colorado Springs, nine out of uh, seven, excuse me, seven out of 10 people aren't a part of a local church, do not have a personal relationship with Christ Jesus. How important is it for there to be communities throughout this city that love on Jesus, that love on one another, so that by our love for one another, the world can know that we are Jesus's disciples and know where to go, know how to get there, to hear the gospel message so that they too can come to Christ. Amen? Angie, would you bring me my water, please? So this week I want to read our scripture for this two-part series that I read last week to set us on a right course. Out of Psalms 145, 4 through 6. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. 
Thy will, say I will. I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of your power, of your awesome works. And I will, say I will, proclaim your great deeds. David took responsibility to ensure that he was going to pass on to the next generation and declared that over all the followers of God, that they too would declare to the next generation the wondrous works of our God. He emphasizes that he will meditate on them. Know this, we don't share what we don't meditate on. When we meditate on the things of God, we can't help but want to share it with somebody. Come on, guys in the room, give me an amen if you're in here. How many of you have ever seen a car you like and you start to research that car or truck or whatever it is? Or Let me say, how many of you have ever seen a toy you like? If I can't get the men to talk, ladies, can you help me out here? How many of you have ever seen a toy you like and you start every little thing, I mean, you start meditating on that thing, right? You start telling everybody about this new toy you're going to get. Come on. Right? Ladies, how many of you see that new bag or, right, that new blouse or dress, right? And you're looking at, and, and, and you even like, man, I, I, I think, honey, I want to go shopping. Would you go with me? No, babe, I'm, I'm meditating on my toy. You go shopping. You're good. Take one of your. <laughs> or you go and you sit outside that shop. On a bench, meditating on that toy you like. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? We get things that we desire and want in life, and it's okay. It's okay for that. I would ask you, does the word of God, does it take that kind of precedence? Because I promise you, you'll never share what you don't meditate on. We have to meditate on. That's why David emphasized meditating on the word of God. I shared with you also last week that this is what a legacy is. A legacy is the long-lasting impact of particular events, actions, etc. that took place in the past or of a person's life. Then we think of the acts of Jesus, and again, where God is concerned in giving his son, when you want to look at the historical fact of that, before the foundations of the earth, before history began, With regard to the Bible, those words that we can meditate on, the great works of God that we can meditate on, before the foundations of the earth, in other words, before anything that we can meditate on, God gave his son. The Lamb of God was slain from the foundations of the earth. That God gave his son for us. Meditate on that fact. Here's why. Eternal life rests in that truth. Eternal life rests in that revelation and that revelation alone that... As John the Baptist said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Without Jesus, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. And while we know in the Old Testament the blood of bulls and goats covered sin for one year, when Christ's blood was shed, sin was washed away once and for all. That's a legacy. Christ has left that for us. So to build generational legacy... We need to be intentional like David was. We need to meditate on it. We need to be willing to share it uh, and proclaim it to the next generation. Amen? Look at what Acts 13.36 says. Now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his ancestors and his body decayed. Why share it that way? 
It's shared that way because ultimately, just like David, there's a day where we lay this body down, this opportunity, this moment that we have had to share the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ with those around us. And, and might I suggest to you, especially to those in our family and in, in, our, in our friendships, our sphere of influence, our, our oikos, that, that the people that we have most influence with, that we might be afraid to share because what if they don't want to hear it? Would I lose my friendship? Would they be upset with me? And I'm telling you that you, in that sphere of influence, you will have the greatest impact in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Anybody ever have someone show up on their doorstep and knock on the door and you open the door and if you were to die tonight, would you go to heaven or hell? And you say, well, you can go to... I'm just saying, before I'm saved and those folks are coming out, I'm just... Like, dude, why are you knocking on my door? Don't bother me. Come on. You know, the, the, the statistics say that that actually has a negative, a negative effect on sharing the gospel. Now, I understand about, you know, getting the word out there and people might keep the track and all of that. But overall, people are negatively affected by that. But positively affected. The greatest, the greatest way for people to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ is through their friendships through their close relationships, and not in a condemning way, but in a loving way that, you know, I care about you. You know, when I was driving down the road the first time that one of my grandchildren started witnessing to me and wanted to make sure that I'm saved, I'm not joking, man, riding in their car seat, we're riding along, and little Elijah says, Papa, yeah, buddy, uh, is Jesus your savior? I said, well, yeah, he is, buddy, because I just want to make sure, because when I go to heaven, I'd like you to be there. Yeah, right? Now, here's the thing about that, right? I might be saved. <laughs> I might be saved, but in that moment that my grandson shares that, it's like getting saved all over again. It, it you know, restoring to me the joy of my salvation. Anybody ever get tired in their salvation walk? Anybody ever just get weary and feel like they want to give up? It needs to be renewed. And the reality is, is when the gospel's shared, even though you may be saved, the reality is, is that there can come a restoration of joy in your salvation. And I want you to know there's nothing like planting those seeds. And I know this, planting them in my children, and then in turn they go into my grandchildren, and then I'm driving down the road, just me and my grandson, and my grandson shares the gospel of Jesus Christ with me, and it restores unto me a joy of my salvation that, that I haven't had since I got saved, because I'm driving down the road and he does that, and I kind of, man, I'm going to have to pull over. I'm like, <laughs> and I wasn't crying, bro. you know, it's like I'm overjoyed that my grandson gets it. When he's like four years old. Jesus said, such is the kingdom of heaven, right? Suffer the little children to come unto me. Such is the kingdom of heaven. That childlike faith that we should have. I want to tell you, you won't share it if you don't have that childlike faith. Because you start to have things that, that set you back or that are complicated. And, and you know what? I don't know about you, but sometimes I start to question my faith with God. God, I've done this and I've been faithful and I've, I've done that and... Why is this happening and why is that happening? Anybody else? We all do that from time to time. And what it can do is steal the joy of our salvation. Don't let it because when the joy of your salvation is gone, you're not going to proclaim it to the next. 
So be intentional, be intentional like David was. He shared, fulfilled his purpose in his generation. Listen to Ephesians 4, 1 through 7 as it breaks down, I think, about being intentional and what it should look like. It says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That's what the family of God should look like. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now I want you to, if you're, if you're taking notes, write this down. Grace was given to you according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now, there's the uh, salvation, right? Grace is uh, through faith. It's not of your works. But God has given you grace so that you might minister to others. That, that, that we would minister when it's given this criteria of how we're to interact with one another, with that long-suffering, the patience, to be at peace, to have joy when we interact with one another. And let me say this. Oh, man, it's so hard to hang on to joy when you're in conflict, isn't it? Don't we have some husbands and wives in here? (laughs) Come on, right? Moms and dads, kids, conflict comes. This is what I always say about it, right? When, 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 When there's differences or you have things that you disagree on, it can be for conflict or it can be for clarity. If you're gonna achieve clarity, it's gonna require communication. Conflict grows when you talk at one another. Clarity grows when you talk to one another. It's the same thing in the family of God. It's the same thing in our witness in the world where Christ is concerned. If we want to leave a legacy, then we've got to stick to the gospel. And we've got to work hard at keeping the good news the good news. Because we can see things falling apart and things are difficult. And all of a sudden what happens is we pick up a condemning critical spirit. Are you all hearing me this morning? Start picking up that condemning critical spirit. And let me say that the world is consumed with it right now. The world is consumed with it. People arguing and bickering so much over every little thing. It's so, so, so easy in social media to go and say whatever you think. To stir conflict. To stir condemnation. Why? Because you don't really have to answer for it to anybody. It's kind of like, right, like being a, um, a word sniper, <laughs> hiding out and taking the shot from far off and they don't know where you're at. It's generating backbiting and gossip in our world on a level that has never, I don't think, ever been reached. And it's so important for us as believers. And I say it starts at home, it starts in our marriages, it starts in our families. Because when you come in this room, God can do things in your life. He can do miracles, no question about it. But when we assemble together as the believers, we're actually meant to already be living in that. And then what God is able to do among us. See, he can set us free. We can come in here and it can be messages and the worship. And we can feel a sense of freedom that we didn't have when we walked in. And it should be that. 
But when we begin to walk and live in that freedom, see, we sing things like, he won't fail. And the reason why he won't fail is because he's already won. And yet we don't always walk in a manner that reflects that Jesus has already won everything. It's not like he's in conflict in heaven, wringing his hands, oh my gosh, I I wonder if we're going to make it. He's not doing that. He knows the the end from the beginning. And you think about it, he has already won the victory. It's up to us to apply that victory, amen? Amen. And let me say, the way that we do that is not to lose another generation. You go read the Old Testament and you'll see one generation served God, the next turned away. The next generation turns to God, the next one turns. Sometimes you'll see it be three generations. Like a generation serves God, one turns away, and then the third generation turns back to God. You'll see that over and over and over again. Why? Because for some reason, when we start to experience the blessing of God in our life, we become complacent. Difficulties and challenges have a way of driving us to our knees. Don't believe me? Go study church history and you'll find when there's persecution and there's, there's difficulties. As a matter of fact, go to the, the, the Great Depression. How long ago was that? Long time ago, early 1900s, when you come out of the early 1900s, what you do is you have revival after revival after revival breaking out in America. In the 1970s, when we, when we were, had the Vietnam War going on and the upheaval and the conflict that emerged in our society, what it did is it brought people to a place. Let me say what it did is it ripened the harvest. It brought people to a perspective that, you know what, the world is not going to be able to satisfy what I really need. And I think people are starting to get that picture. You know, the Bible said, this world has nothing for me. It has nothing for us. We might enjoy those temporary pleasures. And, you know, like I enjoyed watching my kids play football. I enjoy my, my truck. I enjoy my motorcycle. I enjoy my house. Those things are great. But I own them. They don't own me. And when I own them, even if I lose them, I still have Christ. People get disturbed when times get hard. But I believe it ripens the harvest and makes it ready. Amen. Listen to this. Generational legacy. Generational legacy happens when you serve God's purpose in a manner worthy of your calling. According to the grace Jesus Christ has given you. According to his gift. Now let me say this, that we can go off and think that, well, which gift do I have? Like, well, is it, you know, there's the gift of prophecy or there's the, the gift of healing or there's the gift of giving and all those different gifts. Let me tell you the gift that Jesus prayed that the Father would give you was his Holy Spirit. I will pray the Father and he'll send the promised Holy Spirit to you. And on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came, what happened was the church God's people received the gift by his grace, and that was his presence living on the inside of them. You know, when the Holy Spirit's living on the inside of you, um, it's not as hard to live the Christian life. Why? Because it's not really you that's doing it. It's the Spirit of God in you, leading you, guiding you, teaching you of all things that are to come. He's the one that's shaping and molding you into the very image of of Christ, God's own son, amen? So write these three things down because if you embrace that, 
In other words, if, if you will embrace the idea, right, of being intentional, be intentional about these three things. Be intentional to live the gospel life. Be intentional about living the gospel life. Be intentional about enjoying the gospel life. And be intentional about sharing the gospel life. Those three things is exactly what you see declared there where David is concerned. In his generation, he served his generation. He declared the wondrous works of God. But he declared him because he declared them because he enjoyed them himself. He declared them because, as he said, I will meditate. He lived in that gospel life, in the message of God. If you'll do those three things and make it a steady practice in your life, I'm not going to make a promise to you. I'm just going to tell you that I believe that Jesus will interact and he will manifest his promise in your life. Amen. So to build generational legacy, we need to then be intentional and then we need to go all in. If, if, once you know it, be intentional about it and go all in. Don't go part way. Go all in on the gospel life so you can build generational legacy. Number one, go all in by living a devotional lifestyle. Go all in by living that devotional lifestyle that we see in 2 Chronicles 16 and 9. It says, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Kind of committed to him. Fully. Think about this, that the eyes of the Lord searching to and fro. Now, Ange, do you remember when our kids would disappear? We didn't know where they were from time to time. Bad mom. No, 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 no. I'm, no, I'm talking, they're playing, and it's like we're calling for them. Anybody ever have your kids do that, and you don't know where they are, and you're like, oh, God, that's a problem, right? But what do we do? Like, ah, it'll be okay. No, searching to and fro for our children. Now, I want you to know that those that are fully committed to him, right? Now, here's the thing. We can think that just because we get off and we're doing something and we get distracted, that, well, maybe I'm not fully committed to God, so he's not concerned with me. I want you to know that the eyes of the Lord are searching to and fro, right? He's looking for those that are fully committed to him. But your works are never going to be enough to satisfy God. All our works, the Bible says, are like filthy rags. It's like, well, thanks, God. I mean, I'm really giving my whole effort, and you're saying it's like filthy rags. The beauty of the grace of God at work in your life is that God is not only searching to and fro, but he is the one by his spirit that is prompting you. The Bible says that no man comes to the Father unless the spirit draws them. That when God's searching for you to find those that are fully committed to him, know that he's also working on your full commitment to him by working in you. It's not like with a whip where he's driving you. Understand he's a shepherd. He's not, he's not a rancher. Come on, you drive cattle, but you lead sheep. And our shepherd says this, my sheep know my voice. The voice of a stranger they will not hear. And you know, I'm telling you, once you come into faith with Jesus Christ and God gives you his spirit, you know when it's the voice of a stranger, whether you're being led off after that. And you know, 
Because here's the thing I'll say to you. That, that conviction that comes where the Holy Spirit draws you to the Father, to that relationship, you don't have a legacy outside of that. Because your legacy is not a temporary legacy. Even where it says that David was buried with his ancestors and decayed. Yet we're still here talking about David. That's why that's in there. Is that he, his body might have decayed, but what he lived for lives beyond him. Thousands and thousands of years later, we're still talking about David's legacy and how he was an example of proclaiming the wondrous works of our God from one generation to the next. And how many generations has David's testimony now reached down through and he's still proclaiming to the next generation the wondrous works of our God. So live that devoted lifestyle. Romans 12.1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, or as that word study shows, your reasonable act of worship. It's not, it's not even something that's extreme. It's just the bare minimum that we ought to present our bodies. Why does it say bodies? Because I don't think we struggle so much to think about God or even the, if I could say, you know, man, I, I love God and I know he loves me and, and we think about that. But when it comes to that act of obedience that says, I'm going to honor God, right? Spirit, soul, and body. It's those carnal things that want it, right? The spirit wars against the flesh and that's where we kind of get drawn away and, and start to dishonor God. Submit your bodies to the Lord, not, not just your thoughts, right? I've always said that faith is not just mental assent. Faith ought to ignite action in us, amen? amen. So uh, what, how does that reflect on us as a church? That's where we reach up. See, the, the devoted lifestyle is all about reaching up in relationship to God. And then the, the second thing about going all in is this, by joining a committed team, a, a church community, a church body, uh, a small group, some other friends who love the Lord and allowing that encouragement from them and, and, and then you from time to time encouraging them to continue to walk and live for God. How many of you need encouragement from time to time to do the right things? Husbands, how many times your wife's turned to you and say, you know, WWJD? How many husbands have ever said to your wife, WWJD? Right? It's like, hey, well, what would Jesus do there? How many of you ever had words that you've spoken, husbands that you've spoken to your wife in harshness? Now, now I tend to get transparent with Angie and I. We've done pretty good over the years, and we have our ups and downs. You know, we've been married 33. 33. <laughs> right? 30, I did it. That's, hey, I'm right. Don't give me an O. Some of the men are out there, and they're like, man, on the way home, my wife's going to ask me how many years we've been married. Hmm. We'll have our moments, and, and I'm telling you, man, it's like I'm saying one thing, she's saying another, and it's like two ships passing in the night. Anybody? And it can bring those moments where you're like, just, you don't get me, or I don't get you, but I want you to know that God gets me, and God gets you. He understands us. And in the midst of that, when those moments come, this is the opportunity for us to be committed to one another. You know, I was really 
reading through a few articles this last week, and it's talking about the strain on marriages right now is over the top. Part of that is the economy, the stresses, putting food on the table, you know, moms and dads. Can I get an amen? Is everybody feeling that pinch? See, the way that pinch comes is it all of a sudden starts to try and create strife within your relationship. Let me tell you, you can go find money. You can go find money. But the relationships you have with one another as husband and wife, I mean, it sets the tone of society like nothing else. Why is that? It all started in the garden. God created man. It's not good for him to be alone. Once, once there to be that, that important relationship that goes on between a husband and a wife because it has so much effect on society, why do you think the devil attacks it so hard? He attacks it so hard because it's God's design. I mean, think of local churches where, where we live out the mandate of Christ. When you think of the love that he had for the church, husbands, this one's going to be hard for you. The love that Christ had for the church in so much that he gave his life for her. Husbands, you ought to also love your wives. And it goes and see to it that the wives respect the husband. Nothing, nothing can get my dander up more than feeling disrespected. Men, can I get an amen? amen. Women, nothing can get your dander up more than feeling unloved. Come on, can I get an amen? amen. Men, they beat you on that amen. Just want you to know. But I don't question how much Jesus loves his church. I, I really, I know that I know to my core because of the price that he paid. And I can say that as part of the body of Christ, part of the bride of Christ, I can say that, that I haven't always shown the respect that Jesus is due. Can I get an amen? But Jesus, have never, he's never wavered. Now, men, the fortunate thing is, is we're human and Jesus died for us on the cross too. So we want to live up to that. But the reality is, is that we're going to fall short. But the beauty of Jesus Christ is this. As long as you keep coming to him, he'll teach you how to love her. Did you catch that? If you keep coming to him, he'll teach you how to love her. Because her, the bride of Christ, man, does Jesus know how to love his bride. So... That's really what Angie and I go to whenever we have our ups and downs. We go straight to that. What does this look like in the design of God? And in the design of God, love and respect is going to be present. When I sense his love, I have nothing but the most just awe-striking respect that Jesus would give his life when I, when I didn't deserve it. Could we live... If, up to those Christian values. I believe we can by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us, as long as we're willing to yield. And I want you to know that just walking that out will leave a legacy without you even trying that hard. Him working in you, impacting your family, your children, your friends, will leave the greatest legacy. I remember times where Angie and I over the years would take families in and they were in a hard way or whatever, we'd bring them in our home and we'd love on them. And I could remember, because once you invite somebody into your home, how many of you know that your home's your sanctuary? Husbands and wives, families, have you ever had fights in your home that you wouldn't have out in public? Some of you are like, no man, we just have it all out in public. <laughs> but I, I'll never forget one of the best compliments 
It would have been a greater compliment, I guess, if it had said, I've never seen you and Angie fight. You guys don't ever fight. You just get along. No, they said, you know what? You know, even when you guys fight, you fight with love. Even when you disagree, you disagree with love. And I got to tell you, that was the greatest compliment I ever felt that was paid to us because we don't see everything the same and there's time we're going to differ. But to have somebody that lives with us to witness that and say, I see the love of God at work even when you are in disagreement. Would that not be a breath of fresh air in our society today? Well, let me tell you, it starts with the church. It starts with our homes and living for Christ, not just saying that we do. Amen? That takes acts of obedience to get there. So that devoted life, joining a committed team, be committed to one another, and listen to what Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 says, because I do, I believe that this is where it's better for you. Two are better than one because they get a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Let me say the greatest in marriage would be for you to have the Lord as a strand in that marriage. Amen? We need one another. That's what that's saying. We need one another because we have a greater result as, uh, by being together and on one page. Colossians 3.12 says this, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Let me read that to you again. You must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Come on, somebody. Wouldn't that go a long way in our relationships if we could just follow that? And I believe what we would find is we would find ourselves a part of a team that we're not, we're not just committed to, but are, that are committed to us. I want to be a part of that. I know with Angie and I, uh, hey man, I got to tell you, uh, our parents, you know, when you think our natural parents, 21 divorces from our national, natural parents. 21, not to embarrass them or to condemn anything because God's grace is wonderful, but 21 divorces. And so when we came together, here's where we were. There ain't no way I want to go through a divorce. I've already lived through, you know, 11 of my own. She's lived through 10. Divorce is not something that we wanted to be a part of our life. Now, again, God's grace is beautiful. If you've been there, you've gone through that, and God's restored you or he's restoring you, Praise God for that. Can I get an amen? amen? However, for us, it was kind of like, you know, I used to kind of joke around about, you know, uh, murder, yes, divorce, no. <laughs> but, but that's horrible too. We should not have a, right? Uh, you know, so, so jokingly, but, but not in reality, uh, that I am so adamant about us being divorced. So we weren't allowed to use the D word. Can't use the divorce word. And then who used the divorce word? That would be me. We would hit a moment, and, and I, would, I would go, well, maybe we should get divorced. And she goes, I thought we weren't using that word. Oh, you're going to throw that in my face. You get what I'm saying? The back and forth of that. Now, I'm, I'm hanging on this a little bit today because I sense by the Holy Spirit, God prompting me, even during worship, I sense that, 
that some of our marriages are in a hard way. God wants you to know if you stick it in, you hang in there, you seek him. Go to him in prayer. Men, seek him where your marriage is concerned. Ladies, seek him where your marriage is concerned. And God will heal and mend and join you together the way he intends it to be. I always say this, I never stood at an altar and performed a a marriage ceremony where folks sat there making their vows to one another and said, man, inside, I'm thinking, man, I hope this is over in six months. I hope this is over in 10 years. I hope this is over in 20. I hope it's over in 30. That's not even remotely close to the thoughts that people have when they stand at the altar and make a commitment to one another. That's the way Christ is. His covenant with us is never ending. He's not going to give up. Watch this. If just one's not willing to give up, because divorce happens because of hardness of heart. If not one of you are willing to give up, then God can mend what might be broken. Amen? So uh, where Colossians says this, you must close yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Well, I'm applying that to your families. Let me say that that belongs in the church in a huge way. And that's how we are to reach in with one another, with love for one another, and have that same tender-hearted mercy, kindness, and gentleness towards one another, and have patience as well. The third thing, if we want to go all in, is we go all in by living an unmistakable mission. We go all in by living an unmistakable mission. Luke 10.2 says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. There are more people in Colorado Springs that don't have a relationship with Christ Jesus than do. The harvest is great. The labors are few. But I want you to know where people are willing to hear from the Lord and be sent by the Lord into the harvest. Levi and Vanessa, hear me today. You were working in the harvest in California. Now God has sent you to Colorado Springs. And that willingness to be sent in the harvest, and God's anointing would rest upon you because the young people of this house, let me say the families of this house, and the many families throughout Colorado Springs need, they need people who are going to be in the harvest and working the harvest to share Christ, to share the gospel, so that there might be a legacy for this generation. I'm not willing to sit by and watch hundreds, even thousands of people be on that broad road of death and destruction without offering them the choice of going on the narrow road of following Christ. And God has brought you here for that. When you talk to me about wanting to get in the schools and connect with the kids in their schools and even the homeschooling kids and connect with them and when, you, when you're sharing that, and I hear the vision that you have to see this next genera- generation reached for Christ, let me say that it all begins with a vision. Without a vision, right, people cast off restraint. And if you can go and begin to not just in this house, but in the community, cast the vision of God loves this next generation, I know that God will give you the harvest. Because it's white and it's ready. Jesus said that, right? You say there's still four months, but he said it's white and it's ready. And I want you to know there's a ready harvest for you as you both step into this harvest. I believe God's going to give you hundreds of souls throughout Colorado Springs. And while you do that here, God, by his spirit, 
is going to train you for the work that he has for you in the future in Denver. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, the Great Commission, the unmistakable mission given by Christ. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. And saints, here at Reach Church, that's how we reach out. As we accept the mission of Christ, the great commission of Christ that was given to us, and we act upon that within our sphere of influence, we take the gospel message. Live it, enjoy it, and share it, right? Don't keep it to yourself. And my closing statement is this. God chose you for this moment to establish a generational legacy that will last an eternity. It's not something temporary. It's something eternal. I want you to do this for me. I want you to just, for a moment, close your eyes. And I want to be obedient to the Holy Spirit to speak to those things. I didn't have them in my notes. I didn't even know I was going to say them. But I do sense the Spirit wanting you to recognize that your marital and family relationships are so important to your generational legacy. But more than that, how that connects to the local church, that when that's healthy, it produces a healthy church that then leaves a generational legacy. So I'm going to pray over your families. I want to pray over your marriages, your relationship with Jesus. Because I believe he wants that to grow. Let it settle in your heart. Where do you find there being challenges and difficulties for you right now? Lift those needs up to God right now. Because I do believe with all my heart he's going to answer your prayer. So, Heavenly Father, I pray over our marriages, over our families. I pray over uh, moms and dads that have even had some challenges with their kids, be it disciplinary or health. And, God, I pray right now that as they pray together and believe for their children, that, God, you, by your spirit, would calm their children, that they would be stable, and, God, that there would be a focus in in their hearts that they would honor their mother and father that it may go well with them and that father the moms and dads in this house would train up their child in the ways of the Lord that when they grow old they won't depart from it and I pray Lord that there, there would be just a, a peace that would begin to come over the households Lord God of Reach Church that your peace would enter those homes your long suffering your tenderheartedness, God, your gentleness. And I think of the fruit of the Spirit, the meekness, the temperance. God, there won't be outbursts of wrath anymore. And God, we would apply that check yourself before you wreck yourself kind of mindset. And the Lord, we let your Spirit convict us. And when we feel the convicting presence of your Spirit, God, we back off. And we'd let, Lord God, Christ be formed in us so that, Lord, the way we interact with one another builds 
not only our households, but God builds your household, a local church, Lord God, that reflects love for you, love for one another, and love for this world that needs Jesus. I thank you for your people. I bless them in Jesus' mighty name. And before we pray over Levi and Vanessa, Landon, um, Laura, would you, is it, I don't want to embarrass you, but I'm going to call you up. While I was worshiping, I sensed a moment in, in the midst, I think it might have been like the second song, and this is what I heard the Lord say, is that, and I, I don't know, I know you work in construction, right? You do something like that. Yeah. But I heard the Lord say that uh, there's a need for a breakthrough. Uh, I, I almost felt like it was people to follow through on what they say they're going to do. And, and you need better people around you with what you're building. So he says he's going to bring those people and he's going to raise that up while he deepens with regard. So in, in business, in what God's given you the skills to do, um, he's going to deepen your roots in relationship with him in his word and the two of you. There's, there's something fresh that's going to begin to happen with your relationship with God. Yeah, maybe it's already begun. I don't know. But you came down to see your, your brother set in. And yet, when I sat back there in Gaza, he came down to see his brother set in, but I've got something for him. And so um, I, I really wanted to be obedient to the Lord for that. And just say, while, while that's moving that direction, understand the importance. If you thought about a tree, right, and it's branching out and it's growing, the root system is so, so important for what is, is born up here. And so that root system of God at the center of all you're doing is so important for everything that you're building. And don't lose sight of that, right? And here's what I heard him say. It's speeding up. Sometimes it's a pace that's hard to keep up with. So slow down and you'll keep up. Doesn't make sense, does it? <laughs> slow down and you'll keep up. Slow down with God. It's like, I don't have time to do that, right? Slow down with God. Slow down and you'll keep up. Because what he'll do is he'll give you the wisdom, and the knowledge to see what needs to be done for those decisions that need to be made that's going to cause you to be able to actually slow down as it's speeding up. Does that make sense to you? Does it speak to you? Yes. Thank God. All right. God bless you. All right. Levi, Vanessa, come up here. If I could have the pastoral staff and um, they took my water. Would you throw me in what that? Is that oh, is it oh, okay? Yeah, that's great. Stand right here in the middle and face out. They took my pulpit. It's got my stuff on it. I don't know where my book is. I have something I want to read over you. <clears throat> um, I'm trying to think. Is Ron and Brenda in here today? Raleigh and Diane, could I ask you two to come up here? Just if you've been a part of the church for so long, and I, I think it would be good for, for you to help lay hands on them. I'd like to have kept them. I'm going to read this passage of Scripture over you. I'd quote it, but I want to make sure I get it exactly right. <clears throat> and Levi, I'm going to charge you and Vanessa um, as pastors. Levi is, is also an open Bible minister, uh, went to New Hope uh, Bible College in Eugene, Oregon, and then uh, has served in ministry. How many years have you been serving in ministry in California? 
Six? Six years? Yeah, six years. And uh, I think that uh, you, you kind of, you were the next-gen guy, but you jack of all trades, right? Like you did a lot of stuff. So we're happy about that. We're going to put you to work really hard. <laughs> Vanessa, uh, as many of you know, Vanessa, I brought her on staff in Florida to oversee our children's area. And so they're over next-gen and from children all the way to our young adults. Not that young adults are kids, but you are the next-gen. You are the emerged next-generation and they will be overseeing all of that. Um, and we have a transition that will go into uh, where our children's ministry are gonna honor Crystal. Uh, she has seen it as a season, it's time to pass the baton and we wanna honor her today as well. Uh, but Vanessa's gonna be stepping in to, um, uh, Crystal will work with her and pass that off. Crystal's let us know, like, I don't wanna like completely be out of there, I wanna, I wanna help. But uh, God's doing some, some new things in her life and we wanna honor that, amen? And so uh, Vanessa and Levi are going to step in full force over our next generation ministry from children all the way, can I say babies, to, to uh, young adults. Uh, they're stepping in to oversee that. And as you oversee that, uh, although you're young, it makes you elders in the church. The word elder and shepherd or pastor uh, are interchangeable. It's the word poimen that we read. And so if you're a pastor or a shepherd in the house, you have the responsibility of elders. And the Bible says not to be many teachers, you know, or elders among you, knowing that we give the double account. We give a greater account than the members of the body. So it's no small thing that the Lord charges you to today. Um, and I would say they are young, so go easy on them, all right, saints? But here's what it says in 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4. The elders who are among you I exhort, I, who am a fellow, a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving, serving as overseers, not by compulsion but willingly, not for dishonest gain but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And the chief shepherd, when, when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of glory that does not fade away. Saints, would you stretch your hands up here? Father, we thank you for Levi and Vanessa. Lord, we, uh, we know when you began to speak in their hearts, I even go back to Lord before they got married and they really felt you calling them to Colorado. And Lord, they knew that they had to have a landing place before they launched into that future of planting a church. Lord, we're happy to receive them here. Lord, though they be my children, God, they're yours. And when I think about it, Lord, you don't do ministry without working with your children. So God, it is a privilege, it's a, a joy to be able to work with my children, Lord God, in ministry. But Lord, right now I pray for the mantle that only you can set upon them. The mantle of responsibility, God, the mantle of, of joy in the work that they'll do. God, the mantle of of uh, long-suffering, God, the mantle of anointing, Lord God, that they need to do this work. Father, I declare over them right now and over this congregation that our children will be imparted to, God, our youth will be imparted to, our young adults will be imparted to, and Lord, the families of all those children, God, will be imparted to and grow spiritually. Lord, I pray even more so that, Lord, it wouldn't be inward focused, but God, there would be 
there would be a stepping up, God, of answering that mandate. That, Father, even today, Lord, that they answer that calling, Lord God, to step to a new level. So, Lord, life and vitality, may your spirit breathe into all those departments of ministry, into every household, Lord God, in this church. And as Levi puts his hand to the plow, as Vanessa puts her hand to the plow with the other shepherds and elders and, and saints in this body, Lord God, I pray that we'd be even more unified. Lord, and, and, and as I pray over them, I thank you for them for Warren's sake because he's on vacation right now with Kelly. <laughs> as Pastor Warren, Lord, he, he stepped into youth and he stepped into young adults and he's carried all those other responsibilities. God, even as they're away on vacation now, we speak rest over them, but Lord, as they return, uh, I know that Warren's enjoyed that, but Father, I also know he welcomes, Lord God, uh, in a sense, the relief pitchers for Next Generation Ministries uh, in the house. So Father, as he returns, I pray he would be blessed, Lord God, with Levi and Vanessa as they've come on this team, Lord, and I pray most of all that your people would be blessed by their ministry and that there would be increase in their lives as well. We pray these things. We set them in, in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. 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 All right, final thing before we... I need Crystal Hill, if she would come up here. Lenny, would you come with your wife, please? Come on. Well, Crystal, I still want you guys to stand right out here. Lenny's, of course, been overseeing and serving in the preteen area. He's helped with mission stuff, which we've got some really cool things coming for next year, some missions trips we're going to be able to take, and, and members of the church can go on, and Lenny's been a part of that team and served in a, a lot of different areas, of course. Um, I definitely love his outfit today. She's got it going on. She made you wear it. Um, but... They, they have served faithfully, and Lenny's going to continue in his role and capacity, but Crystal um, kind of felt a, a change. Um, thank God the Lord was bringing Vanessa here as, as that was stirring in her heart um, because, you know, uh, you stepped in when the baton got passed, and you took that baton. You've run that leg of the race, and you're able to pass it, and uh, it's been a joy to serve with you. Your spirit, the gentleness, the love that you have for God's people, love you have for our children. Um, let me keep it straight here. Uh, that's what it's all about. And there's, like I say, there's the challenges that come with anything. But, man, have you been honorable? Have you been faithful? Have you been just consistent? And just the tangible presence and uh, love of God that has flown from you, not just into our kids, but our parents. Um, I could say it's... Uh, top-notch and it's definitely definitely rates in the top 10 of folks I've been able to work through over the years uh, your spirit is is gold and uh, I appreciate that I pray you still stay engaged to impart that to our leaders and, and families um, because it's just nothing like having someone with that kind of spirit I know Lenny would y'all know Lenny you can't not know Lenny and Lenny and I would talk sometimes, and he goes, man, my wife, bro, I'm just telling you, her heart. I'm like, I know, I agree. And we've been blessed to have her. Can, yeah. can you give her a hand clap? Yeah. 
Now I'm going to read this over you because I know you don't like I know you don't like being talked about, right? You don't, you don't like being honored. But uh, Proverbs three twenty seven says, "Do not withhold good from those whom it's due when it is in your power to act." And it's in our power to act today, right, as a congregation, to honor you. And then 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 through 13 says this. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And so uh, that part of we have the power to act, we have the power to act. Angie, if you want to give her those flowers. This is actually uh, Medeo's. You know what Mateos. that is? Mateo's. I'm sorry, I got that wrong. I don't go to day spas that much. So, um, Mateo's? Mateo's. Mateo's uh, spa. And in there you have uh, a package for a massage, uh, a petty and mani, and also a facial. We had the power to act, so we acted well on that. And after the, you know, the time you've served by, you have worked hard. And we felt like, you know, a spa day was fitting for that. Amen? Amen. Hey, uh, Joseph, you're going to pray over the food and stuff today, right? As we, okay, thank you so much. God bless you. Yeah, let's give it up. Let's give it up for them. Thank you, guys. So hopefully, you can feel it, you can sense it. Legacy just happened up here, amen? People handing off. So I just want to ask you, say this with me, legacy. Legacy. Like, give a little bit more. Legacy. There we go. Because today is a really, really important day. You guys can actually hang up there. You can go that way. I love you guys, but go that way. Yeah. Hey, no, uh, for time's sake, uh, I promise I could say that because I love them, right? You guys know I love you. Um, we're not going to end uh, actually with a song. Just want to give us some instructions. Is anybody hungry? Woo! All right, and I got me a list. I'm going to tell you what's in these tins. Has anyone been wondering what's in them? Uh, I'm reading. We got pulled pork, brisket, mac and cheese for the kiddos, potato salad, coleslaw, and fruit crisp. Is that right? What is fruit crisp? Ah, dessert. All right, so I hope you came hungry. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to quickly just pray over the service. Uh, if it's Brad and Teresa, uh, once I say amen, actually hang where you are because they're going to dismiss you to come get food so there's not a stampede for food, okay? All right, would you pray with me? God, thank you for this amazing place, your house. It is nothing without you and your presence without your call on it, your purposes. And this morning, we were reminded of all the things that you're going to do. We've seen you do so much before. And in your word, you tell us we can be confident that you will do it again and even greater things than that. So we lean in and we thank you. So thank you for speaking to us this morning. We give this all to you. And everybody said in Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, start dismissing people. Let's get the house lights up and let's get some good